Welcome into another edition of Tex Hogs. My name is Kyle Sutherland. If you like what we've been doing, please subscribe and share our content. Helps us get our name out there. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find us on there. We're going to be having Coach Marcus Shavers on today, the current head football coach of the McKinney Lions out of the Dallas area. Many of you remember him as a former Razorback defensive lineman. He's going to be sharing some of his memories of when he was on the Hill. Also get his opinion on what, what Coach Chad Morris and his staff have done so far, among many other things. So without further ado, here's our interview with Coach Marcus Shavers. Show up and go back to work. I told you guys at the beginning of the season, we can do this as long as you want to. As long as you don't get tired of the process. As long as you don't get tired of showing up to lift. As long as you don't get tired of showing up to, to go to school and take care of your business in the classroom. As long as you don't get tired of showing up to lift and, and, and during the period, watching video and practicing. We can do this as long as we want to. And it's about y'all. This is a game about the players. A game about the players. Coaches, listen, you guys are the best in the damn business. Yes, sir. Let's take care of our business. Listen, with class. Well, everybody got me. Yes, with class, we'll win on three. One, two, three. So now bring in Coach Marcus Shavers, the head coach at McKinney High School right outside of Dallas. Going to, as I mentioned in the intro, kind of just talk about what he's doing up there, get what got him to that point, and his career as a Razorback. Coach Shavers, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on here with you. So you, as soon as you got out of football, you started your coaching career. So just kind of run us through what got you pretty much from the time that you left Fayetteville, where you were at, and then kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, so I left Fayetteville, and once my senior year had ended, um, I went and got a job at Wichita Falls High School working for a guy who gave me a shot named Jason Lavender. Uh, I spent four years in Wichita Falls, two years as an assistant coach on the defensive line and then the next two years I actually had got promoted uh, to defensive coordinator there at Wichita Falls uh, and then after I left Wichita Falls I went to West Mesquite where I was the defensive coordinator for three years there and then after West Mesquite I got a my first head coaching job at Lubbock Estacado High School where I was there for two years as a head coach, um, had a lot of success. It was a great place, a great start for my head coaching career and was able to to take that situation and come uh, to McKinney back in my hometown, you know, seven minutes from where I graduated high school uh, in the most ideal area in the, in the, in the country, in my opinion, to live in, in Collin County. And so, I uh, came back here last year, and I'm going into my second year as the head coach at McKinney High School here in McKinney, Texas. Awesome. And so let's get into what kind of led you up to that point. And when you were growing up, uh, there were some very tough times that you and your family had experienced. And you had this family uh, from from your high school take you under their wing and really just, I mean, made you part of their family. Absolutely. And, you ended, you ended up, it worked out great for you. You, you did great in high school. You became a high school army, all American. You got offers from of course, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Georgia. What was it about coach Houston nut and the university of Arkansas that made you pick them over national championship caliber programs? Yeah. So one, I think it was the relationships that were built with the coaching staff at an early age. Um, I really, felt a sense of trust with that staff 
my recruiting coordinator was James Shebest, uh, who's an Arkansas legend within his own right. Wide receiver, and, remember him well. Yeah, and he was my recruiting coordinator. And, man, Coach Shebest was just one of the best guys to get to know. Um, was just fun to be around. Was always real honest with me and uh, and followed up on me. And, and Coach Nutt, you know, his energy is contagious. And, um, you know, and, and so it, it was just – it was great. And so uh, that relationship aspect with the coaches was good. I like the 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 fact that you know it was a four and a half hour drive from Allen. You know those were some of the things that intrigued me, and then the opportunity to get there and, and play and contribute early. I think ultimately those were the the top three things that um, really sold me on the University of Arkansas over over other offers I had. So did you did you talk to Coach Rick and, and Coach Stoops quite a bit? And other I guess I don't I don't know if can't remember if it was uh bill snyder at kansas state at that time i guess he was he was there then yeah but did you did you have a pretty good relationship with all these other coaches as well or were you or did you pretty much know from the, i know you committed in, in may of 2004 so right before your se- senior year right. so was it was it pretty much just arkansas mainly the entire time or did you were you really kind of having a difficult decision with it man you know arkansas was the heavy favorite for a long time i'll say that um during that spring of my junior year, I really, you know, got to know Coach Francione really, really well. And to be honest with you, I almost committed to Texas A&M um, because I had a friend of mine that was a year older than me that went there, uh, really had a great relationship with Coach Francione and Stan Egan, who was the defensive line coach there at the time. And, um, and Texas A&M was real, real close. Uh, I had a good relationship with that staff. But, yeah, I mean, um, Coach Gundy, Kale Gundy, um, was our uh, recruiting coordinator from OU. Great man, honest with me. You know, there was a position change involved at, in, in going to Oklahoma, and uh, it wasn't something that I was open to. And so, ironically, I ended up moving to that position at Arkansas anyway. But, um man I did those guys that recruited me were all phenomenal men and um but yeah Arkansas just just took the cake it, it checked more of the boxes for me yeah and you had, you had a great position coach and coach rock as well around that time when you were there I was going up to those camps and I always loved being with him he was a character yeah no doubt coach rocker uh one of the best defensive line coaches in the United States uh still continues to be to this day and, man, you know, the older I get, the more um, his lessons, you know, ring out with me. He taught me more about handling your business as a man um, and was just brutally honest with me and with our with our uh, team um, the entire time we were there. Learned so much from him and uh, and not only just about how to play defensive line at a high level, but just how to be a, a, a man and, and, and operate at a high level. Let's go into now. So your first year there, now you, you had a really solid recruiting class. I mean, obviously you came in with D-Mac and Felix Jones, a really good quarterback, your, your high school teammate, and Casey Dick. And there was a lot of good guy, great players in the class of 2005. No doubt. We saw flashes in the 2005 season. You guys didn't have a great year, but you could tell that there, that there was definitely a lot of potential there. And then, of course, the next year you bring in Gus Malzahn, the Springdale Five. Now, we all know, we don't have to get into the, the all the 
back-end stuff, but we all know that there was some stuff that was going on in the locker rooms and just kind of all the things that were going on with that whole entire situation. But you guys still had a great year. Now, it didn't finish the way that you wanted it to, but either way, considering all that was going on and considering that it happened the previous season, how were you guys able to stay focused based on all the stuff that was going on maybe with with the Springdale Five or just what the fans were saying or what was going on with Coach Nutt? How were y'all able to stay focused and have such a great year? We had really good team chemistry, man. It was a special year, a special group of guys together, uh, not just our class, but the class behind us, the classes in front of us had some really good, <coughs> excuse me, high character individuals that, first of all, really cared about each other. And then our leader, Coach Nutt, would not allow us to uh, think about what was going on outside of that locker room, outside of those walls. We really um, – didn't care what the outside world said about us, you know, and our coaching staff really did a good job of keeping us focused on the task at hand. We didn't get into it. We were performing well on the field. Um, we kind of knew what it was and what was going on, and, and it was easy to stay focused in the pursuit of a championship. When did you realize, I, I would guess just as a, from a fan standpoint that it was probably after the Auburn game, but when, when did you guys kind of realize, okay, we've got something going here. We've got the two best running backs in the country. We've got a, one of the best defenses, not just in the SEC, but in the country. Uh, Mitch is at least controlling the game, and you, know, you beat Alabama in overtime. What, what was it that, like, what game or what point did you guys realize we can really make some noise this year? Man, I think it was the Auburn game. I think we went into that game, and Auburn, if I remember correctly, was ranked number two in the country. That, yep. They and were. We played them, man, in probably the earliest football game I'd ever played in in my life. Uh, it was like an eleven o'clock kick, and um, and and we went there to Auburn, and I mean it was crazy. Our pregame meal was at like six thirty a.m., and and we up early, and I'm thinking, man, we're about to go down here and get our butts kicked, but at least we'll get back in Fayetteville in time to to enjoy the evening, and. Uh, and, man, we went down there, and I guess Auburn was still sleeping on us. And, man, we came out, and one play happened, and next play happened. And then, for you know it, we got some momentum going, and then we start rolling. And uh, it was after that game, we looked up and said, man, we just beat the number two team in the country. You know, um, we can go make a run at this deal. And, and that was kind of the feeling. That's kind of when I – Notice that we can do something on a not just go try to win five and make a bowl game, but man, we can go compete to try to win the SEC. And so, as I mentioned, you know, you got the LSU game and Florida, the Wisconsin. So it, it didn't end the way that you wanted it to, but still a great season, especially from what you guys had been through from the previous year. You go into the 2007 season. DMAC is is a Heisman Trophy candidate again. Had that 300-yard game against South Carolina. But the highlight was going down to Baton Rouge. I'll never forget that night as a fan. Going down to Baton Rouge and beating beating LSU in overtime, the number one team and eventual national champion. Describe what that was like as a player. Man, just unbelievable. Just the first of all, you know, the previous trip. You know, to Baton Rouge, right, we went down. I think that was our junior year, but that was our, the, our freshman year. We went down to Baton Rouge and didn't go well. 
our our third our second trip back to Baton Rouge, man, was just an unbelievable, unbelievable time. We um or was this was it sophomore year? The the game we played there and had the overtime game. It may have been Yeah, that was uh so the when oh seven, that was my senior year of high school. You guys beat them when they were number one. That was, I believe, two or three overtimes. Matero Richardson yes, had okay. the interception. Three overtime, the old, three overtime game. So that was uh, sophomore year, and and we went down there. And I just remember the atmosphere, right, going into Death Valley and and the fans. And I remember going out there on the field in pregame, and I mean there being so many people there. We were just doing our field walkthrough. We were still in our sweats and. Uh, and so we we're still in our sweats and all that good stuff. And we were walking the field. And I mean, I remember those guys out, the fans out there just giving it to us and had signs for Casey and, and just the atmosphere that was electric. And then we came out and it was just like a heavyweight slug fest. They were making plays. We were making plays and it just kept going back and forward. I, when that game went into its first overtime, I knew we were going to win. You know, I knew that we shouldn't have even, you know, let the media say it. We shouldn't have even been in that game. And in the fact that we were going into overtime with those guys, um, I knew we were going to win that game. And, man, it was just it was just electric. I mean, that whole feeling was just something that I'll never forget. Um, seeing Darren uh, – get that wildcat going there at Death Valley and making the plays that he made and, you know, the the key block on, on a big run by Casey knocking out one of their best players, you know, that fires up a defense where you see your quarterback go out there and, and throw a block and, and smack somebody that, that frees them, um, you know, that frees them up. And so it, it was just a – uh, incredible, incredible game and and one I'll never forget. Yeah, we were – I didn't get to watch the entire game because we were actually playing in the playoffs that night. So I had to go to the field house, and I remember our coaches uh, talking about the – because they were watching it in the office, and I remember them coming out and saying, you guys won, and just seeing the highlights of – especially with most people knowing that Coach Nutt probably wasn't going to be there much longer – and just that moment with him and Darren on the field after that, with the I got that wood and telling ESPN this is the best football player in the country. Uh, that was just, that that probably wasn't just special for those two, but that was probably just a special moment for you guys that played so hard for so long and and that Coach Nutt had given so much of himself to for all that time. No doubt, we wanted to do that for Coach Nutt. There was a lot of naysayers and a lot of people being negative. And one of the things that the media didn't know, man, we were loyal to Coach Nutt and remain so to this day because of what he meant to us and to our families and his consistency and loyalty to us. And so um, it was really, really rewarding to be able to have that happen for him during that time. So when you made when they made the transition from Coach Nutt to Coach Petrino, now it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that those are two completely different characters, two completely different coaches. Now Petrino is a an insanely smart coach, and we saw that with the talent that he was able to bring in, what he was able to do during his time there. 
So really, what was kind of the main stuff? What was the main transition from from Coach Nutt to Coach Petrino? Of course, you know, you got an entirely new defensive coaching staff. So kind of walk us through what that transition was like. It was crazy because I was also coming off of an injury. I was coming off of a um, off of a shoulder surgery that junior year after the Cotton Bowl. I had had to have surgery on my shoulder. And I remember, you know, one, we were so stoked as a team to be able to wear the the all red uniforms in the Cotton Bowl. Now, they did not go over well. You know, we did not mm-hmm. play well in that game. But I remember going back and watching the, the game on TV and uh, hearing Coach Petrino, you know, just talk about how bad we looked and how you'll never wear those all red uniforms again and, that was my first introduction to the man himself and um, ended up going in, playing for him. He came in and he ran the program the way that he wanted to run run it. But I think what I felt the most was, one, that the family atmosphere wasn't there anymore. And because it was the people that you signed with and had built relationships with over the previous three years, they were gone. Coach Rock had left and. Most of those coaches had left with Coach Nutt and went to Ole Miss. And um, my best friends, Darren and Felix, um, had left early to enter the draft. And the guys that I played defensive line with, Marcus Harrison, Jamal Anderson, um, you know, those guys had all left that that same year. And so um, it was it was a lot of change. It was a lot of new faces and new strength and conditioning coordinator, new strength and our, our new uh, athletic trainers, you know, we no longer had the legendary uh, Dean Weber in there with us. And, and so it was just real different. But I think the biggest thing was that, man, Coach Nutt made that place feel like a family-like atmosphere. And when Coach Petrino got there, it felt like more of a business. It felt like you had to come in, clock in, do your job or get fired. And uh, the problems that you were having were not to be brought into that place. And so that that may or may not be accurate, but that was my perception of what was going on during that time. So once you were done playing football, like now I, now the shoulder injury was kind of what really put you on the – like that, that was kind of solidified that you more than likely weren't going to go to the – I don't want to word this incorrectly, but that really kind of set you back from going to the next level. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's that's very accurate. Okay, very accurate. I felt like you know we had a uh, pro day come in that spring, and uh, I had a number of scouts. To my surprise, they were very very interested in talking to me. And I remember a scout from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers telling me that you know you got an opportunity you know in about a five four to five game window to prove that your shoulder is completely healed. You know, like scouts don't like taking chances on defensive linemen with shoulder injuries and offensive linemen with, with shoulder injuries. And, um, and, and so, you know, he's like, you got an opportunity to go ahead and, and show, you know, I, I forgot who we played. I think it was like Florida. We had a we had a real like a four game window right there. Some really really tough teams back to back, and um, maybe Texas was in there. I can't remember. But anyway, we um, I remember that scout telling me, man, you can write your ticket in these four games. And my shoulder just 
what didn't heal right. And I, I wanted to go and do a medical red shirt my senior year. And Petrino really, you know, I was the doctor would have had to write a letter saying that the shoulder um, is just out of whack, like it won't be ready for a full calendar year. But the doctors didn't feel confident doing that. They said, hey, man, you may be two months off, but I can't say that it's going to be a whole year. So they couldn't write the letter. Therefore, the coaching staff and training staff felt that it was best for me to go ahead and play. But I felt like that was affecting my draft status and because uh, I was going to miss, like, the first four games anyway. So I was like, man, I, don't, I need every single game to try to become a draft uh, prospect and, and wasn't happening. So we went back and forward with that. Ended up not getting the, the red, the medical red shirt to sit out a year and then come back and play basically as a fifth year uh, senior. So when all that was going on, was it kind of at that point that you realized that if playing at the next level or any, any level past this is not an option that, that you wanted to go into coaching? Absolutely. You know, I, I knew if if playing professionally didn't work out for me, I still wanted to be involved with this game and I want to be involved with it from a coaching standpoint. And so um, that's what I that's what I ended up focusing on, just trying to uh, get in a position to uh, be certified and 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 get a job, get a coaching job after I graduated. So now that you're in the coaching in the coaching profession and you grew up in Texas and you've basically been in Texas besides your your time in Fayetteville, we now have a coach at the University of Arkansas that also has major Texas ties, was was raised there, played there, uh, coached there quite some time, and is now going into his second season at the university. What would your take be on Coach Morris from what he – obviously the first season didn't go to as planned – but just what he's done with recruiting and how hard he has been recruiting the state of Texas with that, with it being crucial to the program, how do you think he's done thus far? I think he's done a really good job. I just saw the other day, um, you know, my boss, our assistant athletic director, Jennifer Frazier, her son, uh, uh, Brandon Frazier, just committed to Arkansas a few months ago. Big tight end here in McKinney. Yeah, and, yeah okay. Uh, I didn't and, and she's my she's the assistant athletic director, and I work for her here in McKinney. And uh, she just told me the other day that we had, were in the top twenty in the recruiting class thus far. Uh, after we got the linebacker from Memphis, I think Coach Morris and his staff are doing an outstanding job of recruiting. I think that they have a uh, a big hill, a big a, a uphill battle to try to go and, and get the correct pieces in place. But they, you can tell that they are. They, they got a top twenty-five recruiting class. I think they'll always have a top twenty-five recruiting class uh, because of Coach Morris and his staff and the way that they do things. And then, of course, the the, the Arkansas um, boosters and alumni and the facilities that they've done up there, man, they really um, show recruits when they come into town that Fayetteville, Arkansas, is the place to be. The biggest thing that you hear from recruits when they go up there is that they're surprised, you know, they get up to Arkansas and I don't know what they thought it was going to be like, but they get up there and they realize that, man, it's a beautiful place uh, with great people. And it's one of the things that I tell folks all the time, you know, 
there are no professional teams in Arkansas. And if you're a Razorback man, you're you're pretty close to being a professional, uh, a professional football team and getting treated like a professional uh, athlete. And so I, I'm excited. I think Coach Moore's has has really done a great job of going and trying to channel um, the most recent success uh, that, that the Arkansas people feel connected to. I don't know if they felt connected to the, to the, to the games that, to the success that coach Petrino had there. I feel like most of the people in the state of Arkansas feel more connected to the success that coach nut had there. That's why you see the excitement about going back to those new uniforms that we were wearing uh, during my time there. And I think Coach Morris has gone back and, and tried to channel uh, that era and that time in Arkansas football and and is getting the people from that time back involved with the program and taking that approach. He, he's an ex-high school coach. He's been great to the high school coaches there in the state of Arkansas. I know when he was here at SMU, I got to experience that how open he is to high school coaches coming in and clinicking with his staff and learning from his staff. And, um, you know, so I, I think he's going to do great things during his time there. I'm very, very excited uh, that we got Coach Morris. And I just pray that uh, that that Mr. Yurichek, our, our new athletic director, is patient and, and gives him the opportunity to see things through um, – their full fruition because he's going to build a monster at the University of Arkansas. You just wait. So in the last uh, last week or so, we kind of were clo- closing up here, uh, finishing. We uh, Razorback Nation lost a, a former teammate and classmate of yours, and Mitch Petras. I uh, passed away on I guess a, a little over a week ago, and a guy that really defied the odds. He came in as a walk on tight end slash fullback ended up being an all conference guard and went on to win a super bowl with the giants. Talk about your time with him. Cause you were there pretty much the entire career that he had as a Razorback. What was it like being with him on the field and just what was Mitch like as a person? Man, Mitch was a high character, high energy person who really put his best foot forward in everything that he did, you know, you mentioned him coming in and being a walk-on, and um, man, just just thinking about him and how humble he was and how hardworking he was. He was a guy who, would, every time the weight room was open, he was in there trying to get better. He was spending time with people um, after practice trying to improve and get better, and he was going to extra tutorials and and, and doing a lot of things to try to make himself better. I mean, the biggest thing that I'm going to remember about Mitch um, is his second-to-none work ethic. I don't think I've seen a person in my entire experience playing the game of football that has a better work ethic than Mitch Petras. He was tough. He was physical. Um he was tough. He was physical, you know, the whole nine and um, just just the work ethic to get to that point. Everything that he got in his life was earned, and it was pretty uh, pretty special to be able to be around him at that time. 
and uh, and see all that hard work coming to fruition. There's a lot of people that work hard and don't end up having the success that Mitch had. But, man, he willed himself to become a guy on scholarship. He willed himself to become a guy that can play at a high level in the SEC and get drafted and make a roster. And uh, just his work ethic, man, I think is something to be – documented and studied for a long time for anybody whether you're a walk-on or full scholarship person if you have the same workout or even a quarter of the same work ethic as Mitch Patrick you're doing yourself a favor one last question I want to ask you before we do close out here you mentioned all those great things about coach Morris and and what he's done since he's been in the college ranks, keeping those relationships with Texas coaches and and now forming those with Arkansas coaches. What is your, your advice to those Razorback fans that are just, just tired of losing or just ready to give up? What, what would your advice be to to that group? Hang on to your hat. It's about to change. It's about to change. And, they're going to be up and down years. Coach Nutt had up and down years. It's not an easy league. I think we play in one of the best leagues in college football in the SEC, and that's well documented. I think that there needs to be a level of patience. There needs to be a level of patience, but it needs to be a higher level of support. Uh, if those fans get in behind Coach Morris and his staff, and they get in and show up to games and and, and make noise and let that support be felt that that winning will speed up. But I can promise you this, it's coming, and uh, they just need to get ready for it because it's about to happen. Don't be surprised if you see the Hogs beating some folks that they probably aren't going to be picked to beat this year and uh, and get into a bowl game in year two. And and it's just gonna blow up from there. They got some really good ball players coming in, and I'm excited about the future of Razorback football under Chad Morris and his staff. Couldn't agree more. Well, Coach, it's been an honor to talk to you. It's always great to hear firsthand accounts, stories from from players that have have lived those great times that we as fans have liked to see. And uh, really appreciate you taking some time out to come talk to us. I appreciate you reaching out and having me on your podcast. I'm looking forward to. Great things uh, from the Razorbacks and, and follow the McKinney Lions this year. We're going to be uh, a team to be reckoned with as well. Absolutely. And best of luck to you, to you guys this year and moving forward. And and please remember to uh, for everyone listening to like, share, subscribe our content. Again, you can find us on any podcast forum that you listen to. That'll do it for this edition. For Coach Marcus Shavers, my name is Kyle Sutherland. You've been listening to Tech Hogs. 